you'd open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 1, we'll be beginning in verse 12 this morning. We're going to look at the gospel's impact on our trials, and that was a, a very appropriate song uh, to sing. And I, like Kevin was mentioning, I hope you were focusing on the words, I'm sure you were. Christ, our sure and steady anchors when trials are coming, when death comes, what do we hold fast to? What are we focusing on? So we're going to look at the gospel's impact on the trials that we go through. How many of you have ever heard the phrase that you are a product of your environment? Anybody heard that before? There's a guy by the name of W. Clement Stone. This, you're a product of your environment, so choose the environment that will best develop you toward your objective. Analyze your life in terms of its environment. Are the things around you helping you towards success, or are, you, are they holding you back? Now, he was alive during the time, I think it was 1904 to 2002, I think he passed away. So he lived a, a very long life. But these aren't just old sayings, because uh, as you said, you've heard these before. And just over the last week, uh, since this was a little bit more in my, fresh in my mind, I remember seeing on TV and I saw on some YouTube video Somebody saying, well, we're just a product of our environment. What are you going to do? As if the way you were raised is the only choice that you have. So whether you're raised in a two-parent home or maybe your parents were divorced, that determines who you are. Whether you were raised and you didn't have much of anything to call your own, or you had plenty, you had everything you ever wanted growing up, that that determines who you are. Or whether you came from a big city or a small town, that determines And that is the deciding factor of who you're going to be. Now, we do understand that our situations, our circumstances, do have an impact on us, right? I mean, how you grow up, the values that you're taught from your parents, or the things that you have at your house or don't have, or where you live, they do have an impact on maybe how we think or the values they have, that we have. But we need to understand that when it comes to the gospel, that can override everything. (laughs) That it should be when we have these circumstances around us, our life should be different because of the gospel. It shouldn't be what it is just because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. I mean, Paul here, the Apostle Paul, is a great example of that. I mean, he grew up in an environment where he was persecuting Christians. He was killing Christians. He was trying to destroy the church as best as he could, and then what happened? The gospel. <laughs> he, he had a face-to-face with Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead, and he understood the gospel and became saved. Then what happened to his environment? Didn't really matter what he grew, grew up doing, did it? Didn't really matter what he had been doing and dedicating his life to. All of a sudden, when the gospel impacted Paul's life, his life was different. His life was changed. So we're going to be looking at today how our focus needs to be on the gospel. It can't just be on our circumstances, that we can no longer just say, well, they made me do it. Did you hear what he said to me? I had to punch him in the face. I'm a product of my circumstances, my environment. I had to respond that way. I had to say that thing. I had to do that. When it comes to the gospel, if you truly believe the gospel, then we will understand that the gospel is not just about changing our eternal destination. It's not just changing what's going to happen in the future. 
It actually changes who we are now. We are a new creation. It's not just where we're going to end up, but who we are now changes. So that it's not just a product of our environment. We are going to see how the gospel can inform how we live our life. Now, I said the word gospel a lot, so I want to make sure that we're all on the same page here, as I'm sure we are. There we go. This is a Life in Six Words. It's put out by Dare to Share. Um, we have the, the six words painted on the, in the youth loft because we want kids to know that when they come up to our youth room and when they come up to youth team, we want them to know what we're all about. Um, some of you teenagers might be thinking, well, that's up in our youth loft? Sometimes you get so used to being the product of your environment that you kind of forget what's up there. I understand what that's all about too. Um, and so we have this on there because, I mean, if you want fun and games and stuff, you can get it better at, like, the rec center or video games, much more entertaining than I am, I'll be honest. Um, so when they, teens come, they want to hear from the Word of God. What does God have to say about my life? God have to say about Jesus, who that is, what God wants for me, all of that. So this is what we're all about. So the gospel, God created us to be with him. That, he designed us for his glory. But then our sin is what separates us from God. Our sin is what now we're doing what we weren't designed to do originally, bring God glory. Now we're sinning, and now because we, we have this inherent sin in us, and we're choosing to sin. And that sin cannot be removed by good deeds. It doesn't matter how much you tithe. It doesn't matter how much you come to church or read your Bible or pray. The amount of times you do that is never going to outweigh our sin against a holy God. But he didn't just leave us there. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. And what a great truth. And this is where the hope comes in that Jesus Christ paid that penalty for us. For us. And that everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Everyone. Doesn't matter, again, your product or your circumstances. It doesn't matter what you look like or where you came from. Doesn't matter how much money you had or didn't have. Everyone who trusts in him alone will have eternal life. Everyone. And then life with Jesus, I like how it says it starts now and lasts forever. It's not just the end result, right? It starts now. That when you place your trust and faith in Christ today, you have salvation today. That means you have hope today. That means how you're going to live today is going to be different than how you lived without Christ. And if this is new to you, if this is something where you're like, I don't sure, I'm not sure if I understand this, I encourage you to come talk with me afterwards. Or maybe somebody you're sitting next to who looks like they know what they're doing. Come talk to somebody about Christ, because this is going to really, truly change your life now. So we're going to see how it changes our life. We're going to look verse, in uh, verses 12, we'll read through verse 18, and then we'll begin with point number one here. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Let's pray together. Lord, help us um, to be challenged with this uh, idea that how the gospel needs to change the way we think, especially in our trials, especially when things aren't going our way. I pray that our focus might be on Christ. It might be on the gospel and what you can do 
um, in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have this gospel perspective in verses 12 and 13. Paul is kind of shifting his thinking in verses uh, 1 through 11. We see his focus on them, on how Philippians, you can have great unity in this gospel. Uh, and then here's my prayer for you. Now he's going to share with them, hey, here's what's going on with me. Here's what's happening in my life. And we know that they have a great connection because we already saw last week how he yearns for them with all affection, how he holds them in his heart. So there's really great love that he has um, back and forth with these uh, Philippians. And I, I, it's good that we understand that because it's not just that he's sharing to say, hey, look at all that I'm doing. Look how amazing I am. Look at how I'm viewing everything in light of my circumstances. It's not that at all because they have a, such a solid relationship. Because, uh, I mean, think about the friendships that we have. When we share something with our friend of what's going on in our life, it's not to just say, oh, look at me and how awesome I am. Usually it's because I love you and I want you to know what's going on in my life, right? And you want them to share about their life too. We want to hear from them because we care about them as well. And we, we assume that as they share what's going on in their lives as a good friend, that they're not just boasting, they're not just bragging about how great they are because you have love for one another and you just want to know what's going on. So when Paul opens up and he says, I want you to know, brothers, here, here's what I think, I would not fault Paul in this if he said this. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me really stinks. Right? I mean, he's sharing the gospel and he's thrown in prison for it. He's beaten for it. What has happened to me is not fair. What has happened to me, I do not deserve. I think every single one of us has probably said that before in our lives, right? It's not fair. He's, he could have said, what has happened to me, there were people right next to me sharing about Christ too, but yet I'm the one thrown in prison. What's the deal? How come they didn't get thrown in prison? Why me? Why is the focus all on me? Why do I have to go through these hard times? Why do I have to go through these trials? If his perspective was focused just on the trials, that's what he would have said. But again, he's not focusing on that. He's focusing on the gospel. He says, what has happened to me, he understands God has him there for a reason. God has him there to share the gospel. His mission doesn't change, right? If his mission uh, outside, when everything is going well, his mission is, I need to tell people about Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen again. That's his mission. So then when he gets in chains and when he's thrown into prison, does his mission change then? Is now, is he supposed to be focused on himself? No, his mission is the exact same thing, right? If I'm supposed to, when everything's going well, I'm supposed to share the gospel. Then when everything is not going well, what am I supposed to do? Share the gospel. It's the same exact mission, no matter what his trials are, no matter, no matter what his circumstances are. And what a great perspective he had. Now in prison, he could have been chained to a guard 24-7. Can you imagine chained to, being chained to somebody 24-7, like right next to you? I know we love our spouses and our family members, but can you imagine 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that literal chained right next to each other? Can you imagine that? Some of us cannot imagine that. And I bet the guards were thinking, ha-ha, we got Paul now. We have him captive. But guess what Paul was thinking? I have you captive. <laughs> Guess what? You're chained to me. <laughs> like, you can't get away from me. I'm going to tell you about Jesus, and there's nothing you can do to leave. You just have to sit there and listen. 
Imagine being on an airplane ride, right? People are like, I'm stuck next to this guy. And you're like, ha ha, I'm going to start telling you about Jesus. Where are you going to go? You can't go to the bathroom for too long. No one can stay in there too long. Like, it, you're going to be back here, and I'm going to keep telling you about Jesus. A captive audience. What a great opportunity. But it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard. We have this scene of that. It wasn't just one guy. He said, well, I shared the gospel with one guy. It didn't go well. So I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just stop there. Or he didn't come to know Christ, so I'll, I'll just stop. Everyone, everyone, all the shift changes of who was going to be watching Paul at that time. like, oh, got a new guy. I'll start, t- start telling him about Jesus. Oh, here's a new guy coming in. Start, might as well start telling him as well. He had this approach of right now, the situation that God has me in, I need to tell people about Christ. I need to be seeking to advance the gospel for God's glory. A lot of times I, I, I think back and I think hindsight is twenty twenty. Those people that I was uh, next, next to in school, even at a Christian school, they didn't know Jesus. Like, why didn't I share the gospel with them? I wish I could have. I wish I would have done that. Or family members, I say, I wish I would have had that opportunity at Thanksgiving or, or at the family reunion that I'm coming up, uh, coming up on here in a couple weeks. But maybe instead of just me thinking, looking back and saying, what should I have done? I should have, would have, should have, could have. Maybe right now, maybe instead of thinking back of what we should have done, maybe we can just all commit to starting right now, the situation, circumstance that God has us in right now, we need to start sharing the gospel. Maybe just start from today. Don't worry about what you didn't do or what you didn't say or what you could have said to somebody a long time ago. How about just right now? Who are the people that God has in your life that says, needs to know the gospel, the people you work with, friends that you have? What perspective do you have in your trials? Paul had a lot going on in his life. Back in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he explains some of the trials that he's gone through. Far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship, through many a sleepless nights, and hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure. Apart from everything, there's the daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to fall? Am I not indignant? He understands that he's like, it's not about me. I'm weak. I go through trials and hardships. It's God's work in his life to help him to see that he needs this gospel too. It needs to change his thinking. We need to have this approach that maybe Paul has and say, Lord, I don't know what the day holds for me today, but you do. Help me to view everyone I meet as an opportunity for the gospel. An opportunity to make the gospel known in every situation. Maybe I haven't been a good testimony at work. Maybe I haven't been a good testimony at my family over the last few months or a few years. But right now, would you say, I need to start making the gospel known. Don't worry about maybe the backlog. Maybe there's people you need to seek forgiveness from. You don't have to go through the Romans road every single time with every single person you come in contact with. But is your life right now Focus on bringing glory to God through advancing the gospel. What is your focus? 
There's also this gospel encouragement in trials. Gospel can bring encouragement, believe it or not, even when things aren't going well. Paul recognizes that he is in prison and there's people who are encouraged to share the gospel after seeing the problems Paul is going through. It doesn't make a ton of sense, does it? In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says this, he says, "All Pray also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Even Paul understood how weak he was. He understood that he needed prayer. He's like, I'm not super Paul, able to do everything, able to leap tall gospels in a single bound or anything like that. He understood that he was weak outside of Christ. He said, pray for me, I need boldness. So this boldness as he's advancing the gospel, telling everybody he's coming in contact with, the whole imperial guard knows the gospel, knows what it is. He's like, but it's, I needed boldness to do that. God needed to work in his life for him to get to this point. Believe it or not, he was still a work in progress. He still had growth. Second Timothy, he writes to Tim here and says, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. When we put our faith in Christ, when we receive this gospel, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, and this is not a spirit of, oh, I probably shouldn't say anything. I, they might not like me if I say something. That's not the spirit that has been given to us. This is the Holy Spirit of God that we have indwelling us, and it is a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So it's not that it's just going to magically turn us into a different type of person. We're just going to be like, I never talked to anybody. Now I'm going to talk to everybody. But there should be growth in our life as God works in our heart, as we see this, this great hope that we have in Christ, as we start to understand it more and more and more, that it should be changing us. It should be helping us to see that there is something that we have to share. It says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. It's not just, well, my personality doesn't let me share the gospel. It's, no, our, it's our hope that we have. That's why we tell people about Jesus. It's not just the type of personality that we have, whether we're shy or outgoing, whether we're an A type of personality or a B type or whatever. It's the hope that we have in Christ. That is what gives us boldness. And that is what spurs us on and gets us excited to tell people about Jesus when people might not, uh, might not like it. There might be suffering that comes with that. So as Paul's going through his imprisonment, people are actually encouraged hearing what's going on. How does this work? When you're in class, uh, in school, uh, now it's, you text somebody, you get in trouble for that, and you go to the principal. But before we had, you know, cell phones and all that sort of thing, believe it or not, I am old enough to not have cell phones when I was in high school. And so... What we do is talk out of class, you know, talk to your neighbor, say something really funny, and then we get sent to the principal's office. There's nobody else in that classroom that sees that happen. They say, oh, they got sent to the principal. They, I'm going to do the same thing too. I'm going to talk out of turn. Oh, captain, my captain. And then I'll get sent to the principal's office, and that's, that was worth it. Nobody says that, right? Because if you're just whispering something funny to your neighbor... It's not really worth going to the principal and getting in trouble with your parents later on. It's not really a stand that you want to take. You always try to be sneaky about it. But then there's these people who do mixed martial arts. Have you ever heard of the MMA, right? They're in the octagon. There's fence all around, and then you don't leave until somebody's passed out or broken arm or something. You 
battles somebody to submission, that there's people who watch that and they say, I want to do that. That looks fun. I don't get those people. I don't, maybe, that's, maybe that's you. We can talk later or something, but I don't get it. Those people, I think, are crazy that they would see somebody getting beat up and say, I want to do that. Because if you don't do that already, guess what? When you start out doing that, you're not very good. And if you're not getting very, not very good, then guess who's getting beat up? You are, right? Why would you want to start into that? I don't understand it. But yet, some people are looking at Paul here, and they're saying, wow, he got beat up for telling people about Jesus. I want to do that. They're not saying, I want to get beat up. They're not saying, I want to get thrown in prison. But they're saying, what he spoke about, this gospel, that is so important. That is worth standing up for, no matter what happens to me. People are being encouraged to share the gospel after seeing Paul get beat and thrown in prison. Some might look at people like that and say, you're crazy. Why would you want to go through that? Why would you want to really take a stand for Jesus if you know that that might be a possibility? That might happen to you. And for being really honest, there might even be some Christians who would say that too. <laughs> Why would you take a stand for Christ in your workplace? Do you know what might happen? Why would you take a stand for Christ with your friends? You know what might they say to you? Remember a missionary a number of years back uh, mentioned as they were going into the mission field that they uh, had parents that weren't, weren't totally on board with what they were doing. Like, why do you need to go over there? Why do you need to share Christ, feel the need to share Christ with that people group? Do you know what they might do to you? You, might have, you have to learn another language. You have to, all this expenses to go somewhere else to tell people about Jesus. Why would you do something like that? Even family, even friends, or even other maybe Christian brothers and sisters in Christ might say, that's crazy. But as we see people who are sharing the Christ, do we, does that encourage us to do that? In Philippians 3.10, he says this, he says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. Paul saw his sufferings as an opportunity for him to connect with his Savior. Can you imagine if God said that to Jesus? Wait, you want to go down there? I'm not going to have you go down there because you know what's going to happen to you? You know the pain that you're going to go through? You're going to get to the point of death on a cross. Are you sure you want to? This, that's not a good idea. Let's think of something else. Obviously, God sent Jesus Christ down to earth. He said this is what has to happen in order for people to be saved. This is necessary for them for you to be glorified. And Paul is saying, man, if I can just taste that, that little bit of what Christ suffered and died for me, if I'm going to suffer even just a little bit for Christ, that kind of helps me to understand a little bit more what, what he went through for me. And it brought him joy, helped him to be more bold, to help other people to be more bold to speak about Christ. When you think about how our attitudes towards God, towards this gospel, does it encourage other people to be more bold for Christ? If people saw into our lives? Something I, I often say is that if everyone had your mentality of serving in church, would we have a waiting list for the nursery? Would we have a waiting list for, to work with Calvary Kids? Or would we have no nursery at all? No nursery ministry, no Calvary Kids ministry. Everyone had your mentality of serving. So I want to switch it now to this passage. If everyone had your mentality about the gospel, about who needs to hear about it, 
the boldness you have, would we see people coming to Christ left and right? Or would people even know that we're Christians? What is your mentality? Do you share with others about how you're sharing Christ? Do you tell other people, hey, I got to share the gospel with somebody. Pray for them. I've heard that a couple of different occasions over the past few weeks. Uh, one who is uh, saying, hey, pray for me this, this coming week. I'm going to have opportunities. I just need boldness. Awesome. That encourages me. I'm like, wow, they're getting out there. They're sharing the gospel. Pray for me. And my, I have a coworker I'm sharing the gospel with currently. They haven't trusted Christ, but uh, just pray for them. Like, that, that is fantastic. That encourages me when I hear about it. And these aren't people saying, look at me and how spiritual I am as I go and share the gospel. It's help. I need help. <laughs> I need prayer. Please. It encourages us. So we need to share this with one another. Share who you're telling about Jesus with. Share with the person next to you, somebody you don't know, somebody you do know. Tell them what's going on, how God's at work in your life. It'll just encourage us even more to share Christ. A couple weeks ago at junior high camp, we had a kid named David in our cabin. He wasn't from our church, and uh, we do this thing called a slushy fund. Now, this is where we encourage the kids to pool their money together, and we go around and buy free slushies for people, uh, the campers around the campground, and we tell them about Jesus. So it's, hey, do you want a free slushie? Great. Will you answer these questions about Jesus? Do you know if you're saved? And uh, so David had this opportunity. On Monday, we talked, and he said, I really want to share the gospel more. And I said, well, you're in luck. Because we do this thing in our cabin called the Slushy Fund where we go and share the gospel this week. And it was really neat. He had an opportunity. He went and talked to a kid, and the kid said, I don't think I can be saved because I don't go to church enough. And so David walked through him. He said, well, you don't need to go to church enough. You just need to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And he rose from the dead. And that if you put your trust and faith in him, if you ask him to forgive you of your sins, you'll be saved. And I was thinking like, Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you got it all right. He said, yeah. So then the kid, he prayed to put his trust and faith in Christ right there. And I was like, what? Like, slushies? Really, all it took was a, maybe a few slushies to have these kids share the gospel? And this kid had heard about the gospel. I mean, this is Wednesday of camp. He had heard it from his speaker. He had heard it from his counselors, I'm sure, over and over again. But yet it was the, a junior hire with another junior hire talking that maybe it just, he understood like, oh, I get it now. I don't know. That's just how God chose to work. What an awesome thing. Does that not encourage you? Like if a junior higher can do it? Anything you can do it too? I hope so. I hope you know the gospel a little bit maybe more clearly and at more depth than a junior higher might know it. Hopefully you've been know Christ for a much longer period of time, so you might have a deeper knowledge of Christ. What a great thing. How encouraging it is. It's so encouraging, so share it with others. Tell people what Christ is doing in your life. Tell them who you want to share the gospel with. Have people pray for you. Don't keep it to yourself. Then we have these gospel motivations. Gospel motivation in these trials. So then as he shares about these trials, the advancing of the gospel, talking about it, uh, people coming to know Christ, more people bold to speak it, and then he says there are some people that are sharing the gospel not with the best motives, but at least they're doing it. There's some people who are sharing the gospel, he says, from goodwill. They're doing it out of love. They know that I'm here in Rome because God has put me here, because I've been standing for the gospel. That's the only reason that I'm here. I was reading a, a commentary that helped, was helping me in understanding how somebody could preach the gospel from bad motives. Doesn't that kind of seem foreign maybe a little bit to you? If they're sharing about Christ, how can you do that with wrong motives? 
He says this, as uh, William Hendrickson. He says, it should be borne in mind that there was a church in Rome long before Paul arrived there. It can be scarcely doubted, therefore, that certain preachers in Rome had attained a degree of prominence among the brothers. With the arrival of Paul, and especially with the spreading of his fame throughout the city, it's easy to understand that these leaders were beginning to lose some of their former prestige. Their names were no longer mentioned so often. Hence, they became envious of Paul, and their motives in preaching Christ were not pure or unmixed. I think we can understand that a little bit, can't we? People are sitting there, they're listening to these preachers, like, this is really great. What, what, Paul's in town? That's really great. You got, really got good stuff, but I want, I want to go hear from this guy, because this is the Apostle Paul. I mean, this is the amazing guy. He's like healing people and cra- doing crazy stuff. This is great. Let's be around him. I imagine that would get those preachers like, what am I? Chop liver, right? So in a couple Sundays, I'm going to be out of town at a family reunion. Again, you could pray for me for gospel opportunities there. Family reunion, and imagine if we got a guest speaker named John MacArthur to come in, and he comes and speaks to us, and you're all like, ooh, would he want to be our senior pastor maybe? Maybe just stick around? I don't know. Imagine that he speaks on the same passage that I'm speaking on today, and he preaches the same thing that I spoke about. But he probably will speak maybe with a little bit more in depth because I used one of his commentaries to help me with this message. (laughs) So he might know the passage maybe a little bit better, a little bit deeper. He might have preached on it a dozen more times than I have. And then I come back from that family reunion and all all I'm going to hear about is, ooh, John MacArthur, did you hear what he said? Ooh, this is amazing. Everybody in the congregation repented of all their sins. Now they're all walking on water. It's amazing. It's It's a wonderful thing. Imagine that might get somebody a little salty, right? (laughs) So when I come back and I hear all the wonderful things John MacArthur did, guess what I'm going to do? You know what? I'm going to preach the next sermon. I'm not going to use any of his notes. I'm not going to use his commentary at all. That'll show him. That Johnny Mac thinks he knows everything. Thinks he knows the Bible, I tell you, I'll teach him a thing or two. I'll have better illustrations than I've ever had before. I'll have the best points in the planet. That'll teach him. Guess what's happening? I'm preaching the gospel. I might be preaching the word here, but guess who's the one person I have in mind? John MacArthur. It could be easy, right, to get proud and to think, ah, I have it all put together and maybe do things from the wrong motives. It can be easy that way. I'm a part of a youth ministry group. I'm just laying out all my sins here on the table here for you. I'm part of a, a youth ministry group on Facebook, and there's a couple thousand youth pastors in there. Some have youth groups bigger than the size of our church. Uh, they're doing amazing videos. They're great. They do the events that are extravagant and huge. And it makes me just like, I just want to do these amazing events so I can put something on there so they can see I'm a good youth pastor too. It's people I've never met. It can be easy to have false motives for even doing the right things. Now, I want my kids to obey. Why do I want my kids to obey? What's my motivation? Make my life easier. That could be one of my motivations. Or do I want my kids to obey because I want the gospel to be evident in their lives? Is the gospel my motivation? And whatever I'm going in, my circumstances, when I'm going through hard times, is the gospel motivating me to act the way I act? I want to respond well in my trials. I want to respond in a godly way. But why do I want to do that? Because I want you all to think I'm a good pastor? 
Is that why I want to respond well? Because I want you all to like me and think I'm a godly person? Or do I want to do it because then this gospel that I, I proclaim, this gospel that I claim to love and has impacted me and changed me, that I want the gospel to be made clear in my life. I want people to see Christ in me. What are my desires? What are my motives for sharing this gospel? Now he says here that some are trying to inflict Paul, inflict pain on him while he's already in prison in pain. They want it to be made worse. I can just see Paul over here, you know, in prison. It's like, what? These pastors want to hurt me by sharing the gospel with more people? And more than they ever had before? All right, oh no, please stop sharing the gospel. <laughs> yes, that's good. Oh no, not again. Oh, you share the gospel with more people? Oh, that stinks. That really hurts me. It's like, hey, at least they're going and sharing the gospel, whether in pretense or in truth. It's like, like Christ is proclaimed, and we can rejoice in that. Now, if somebody comes up to us and asks, what must I do to be saved? Let's say your heart isn't right, isn't in the purest of motives. Does that mean you shouldn't share the gospel in that moment? You shouldn't tell them about Christ? I think we should tell them about Christ, and we need to pray for our heart <laughs> that it gets right. We should pray that our, we share the gospel in pure motives. But I think as we have opportunity to share Christ, we need to. We want our motivation to be fueled by the gospel. This is why our our, the focus in our life must be on the gospel in all of our circumstances. And whatever happens in our life that we can't just think, woe is me. We can't just think, oh, well, I, I just don't feel like it right now. Or I, I'm just not into sharing the gospel right now. It just doesn't seem exciting for me. And I might lose a friend. We need to understand that we need to be all about the gospel at all times so that we're ready, so that our heart is ready to do it. And we need to make sure that we don't like just compare ourselves to Paul. That when we go through a time of suffering, a time of trials... When we uh, say, well, you know, my friend's not talking anymore, but at least, at least I'm not, you know, in, the, in prison or beaten up or stoned, so it doesn't really count because my friend's just not talking to me. It, it counts. Every time you take a stand for the gospel, no matter what happens, if they, the friendship is just weird and different now, um, if maybe the, your boss doesn't like you anymore and makes your job very difficult, or whatever it might be, that is suffering that you're going through on behalf of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So don't diminish it. Don't say, well, I didn't go through shipwrecks or anything, as if that's the only way that somebody can suffer for the cause of Christ. Wherever God's hat, God has you, whatever circumstances you're in, you preach the gospel. Be about the gospel. You want it to be made clear what God has for you. So how's your focus? What do you tend to think about when you're going through a tough time? A good question to ask yourself when you're going through a trial, maybe just say, God, what do you want me to learn through this? It takes the focus just off of you and what's going on in your life. Say, so, God, what do you want for me? And I encourage you to come back tonight as well. If this has maybe struck a chord with you and you're thinking, this is good, this is a good challenge to share the gospel. I have some people I know I need to share Christ with. Come back tonight because we're going to talk about maybe some more details of how we can glorify God in our lives. We can get maybe more specific with each other. We're going to do some question and answer with each other to, to hopefully help you to that next step. So we don't want to just leave it here and say, that was a good challenge, and then walk away and think nothing of it the rest of the week. We want to come up with some good action steps that we can have to share the gospel, to be about the gospel in our own personal lives, no matter the trials we're going through. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much 
for this gospel that truly does change us. Changes us into a new creation that we have new desires. And I do pray for each and every one of us that will be bold with the gospel. That will share uh, what's going on with each other so that others might be encouraged to share the gospel. We're thankful for Christ and him crucified that gives us a hope and gives us a reason to be bold. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.